There it is. Another week. There's the horn. <laughs> and you know what that means. Welcome back to the Zach Dressler Show. Thanks oh, for coming, yes. everybody. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, any new subscribers? Welcome. Oh, so many. So many. Welcome, everybody. Tell your friends. Tell your mother. Tell your father. Tell your brother. Tell your sister. Tell your auntie. Tell your uncle. Whoever you want. Just tell them. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody. Just check it out. They don't have to subscribe, yeah. but it'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah, anything anything helps. And if they don't like looking at our ugly mugs, they can always listen to the audio <laughs> version of this. It's on iTunes, right. Apple, iTunes. Amazon, Stitcher, you know, the whole nine yards. So uh, we got a great show today. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be um, it's gonna be lighthearted as it always is, but we're going to talk about politics. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, uh, the ending of the Trump administration. We got a guest uh, that we'll be talking about this with as well as his works. Uh, my friend... Umar Malik. He is a director, a writer, an editor, and an activist. Uh, he's got a lot of film projects he's working on. He's got this great short film that everyone should check out. It's called Prowler. You can check it on Vimeo. Uh, you can go check him out. Link uh, is in the description. Your link is yeah. in the description. Go check that out. Uh, and also, official Umar Malik is his handle for uh, Twitter and Instagram. What's up, Indy? Oh, you know. Oh, you know, it's How February. You We're, we we podcasting, y'all. We you are know. podcasting. It's, it's, it's the second month of, of 2021, or is it? I, I actually think, uh, you know, you, you mentioned in a couple podcasts ago that January was just an extension exactly. of 2020. I, I think 2021 has actually fully started. I, I, <laughs> I, I, think, I think 2021 has kicked off. I think yeah. when Biden took over office, I think, uh, you know, um, you know, I, I just feel like it was a tur- it was a turning of a new leaf. I felt yeah. like this this weight had been lifted. I felt like it was easy to, able to breathe easier, you know. And uh, it's like noticeably, noticeably, yeah. noticeably better. Um, I uh, it, it's it's it, yeah. It, it, it just it, feels good. It just feels good. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm 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 a loss for words it, today. <laughs> You know, I want to talk about this as well. Are you a gambling man, my dude? I am not a gambling man. You don't man. gamble at all? I, you don't play poker or, you know, bet on sports dodgers or anything like well, that? Well, the reason why I don't is because I had uh, association with it in that uh, my uncle owned a liquor store. Okay. Uh, and the state of California, you know, every county has a fair, right? You know, county fair. Yeah. So in the state of California, every county, uh, the state picks one liquor store. Or convenience store that sells lotto to do the fair, right? Oh, okay. And it I did just not so know this. Ha- yeah, and it just so happened to be my uncle's liquor store that uh, they selected to do the the fair. So I got to be a lotto guy at the county fair for six straight summers in a row, um, and basically all the the carnies, the degenerates, the uh, <laughs> the uh, the uh, interesting uh, people of the uh, the workers. The traveling workers of the fair were actually my regulars, so I, so I got <laughs> really? to, I got hooked up I with like this. mini drones. I got hooked up with free stuff. That's like no shit. We would we would you know, I would, you know I smoked cigarettes back then. I would you know trade cigarettes, you yeah, know stuff yeah. like that. It, but also I noticed how much money they would spend on scratchers. And okay, everything. they would go do their you know you know throw the bottle at the. <laughs> throw the ball at the bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would just come straight over and spend the money right at the lotto, like on their breaks. And like they were spending a lot. So right. it's like I, I always had uh, 
Like I always saw a lot of degenerates at that job. Okay, okay. So that's why I don't. But makes sense. Nothing really against it. It's just not my. Uh, yeah, not my drive. I get it. I'm not. I'm not really a gambling man. You know, and, and I've been doing sports for years. And one of the things that I never understood was gambling on sports. Like, I mean, I will do it with a friend if they're like, "Hey, you want to go on me this crazy like you know bet this crazy whatever three team parlay yeah. you know blah, blah blah sure." But I never really truly understood it. Um, and probably because I just never had money to spend. On gambling, it just wasn't my thing. You know, I, I, you know, growing up, I would play blackjack with my family. We would pay like, you know, 50 cent chips and nothing crazy. You know, we went <laughs> yeah. 20 bucks a Christmas. Right. You know, and then as I got older, you know, we go to Vegas or Atlantic City, depending on where you are, or, and you know, any casino that's by you. It doesn't have to be, you know, Vegas or AC. And, you know, I played poker. I played, you know, blackjack, but I would play the small table, like $10 buy-ins yeah. and $15 buy-ins. And it's fun. Never really got into it. You know, roulette to me is just like people are like oh, I love roulette. It's my game. It's like it's anybody's game. You throw you just put fucking money on a number and a color, and you hope <laughs> you you throw it up and hopefully it wins. You know, same yeah. thing with craps. People say no, it's a skill, and I'm like, dude, you're throwing dice. Okay, <laughs> you know, no skill. Get the it. fuck out of here. Yeah. No. You're but, better off like like what's what what I like to do in Vegas when I'm when I'm walking through. I mean, pre COVID, uh, when I'm walking through the casino, I like to go completely random i'll just walk yeah until i walk i'll, I'll just go okay right now boom throwing a quarter throwing a like don't even have any rhyme or reason just yeah. stop and go do it really quick and then walk away if you lose you lose whatever whatever you're not you're not you're not down yeah 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 <sighs> yeah that's I, my tactic I, I, that's a good tactic that's a good tactic yeah. random and i you know I, i'll play i'll play the mega millions of the powerball when it's a big 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 pots and the past, you know, in, oh, in it's January, been there's been the January, you know, in January, there's huge pots. Uh, January 22nd, there it was it hit 1 billion. Oh my God. And no one won. And it went to oh, 1.1 billion. Oh my God. I, excuse me, I should, I won, I won $3 that night. Oh. I won $3. Nice. Nice. But what, the thing is like, I, I do, you, do you want the skinny on the California lottery? Yeah, I want the skinny on the California. Okay. You you got the skinny, dude. You've been holding out on me. I'll hold it out, dude. I've dog. known you for like five six years now. You've been holding out on me. <laughs> All right, you never want to. I mean, yeah, yeah. Now is this lucky. okay? So wait, hold on. Before yeah. you continue, yes, yes, I've heard. I've heard. So I've heard. Yeah. Um, you know, through urban myths, whatever you want, legends. Yeah. That the best way to win. Now I don't know if this is just for scratchers, uh, or for both the Mega Millions and or you know Powerball, uh -huh. all that stuff. The best way or the best chance to get uh, to win, have a yeah. higher chance, is to go to a uh, a poorer area and buy it from a store there. Interesting. Well, well, I actually did a paper on this after I worked at the fair so many years. I did a paper on this in college, and they actually concentrate lotto outlets in lower income areas because rich people just don't buy lottery. And also lower income people buy way more lottery, right? Way right. more cigarettes, way more everything, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so I, I wasn't, I wasn't wrong. You're not wrong at all. You're not wrong. But now, the is skinny, that, is that, is that, skinny is, but is that just for, sorry, is no, that just yeah, for yeah. scratchers or is that for all That's, lottery? Uh, literally, literally a retailer that offers lotto. Okay. It, there Doesn't are matter. substantially way more here in Van Nuys than there are, than there are in Beverly Hills. Oh, I'm sure. You know, there's probably like three in Beverly Hills. There's probably like 17 or 20 out here. You know, every liquor store is lotto. Yeah, yeah. But not necessarily. It's all supply and demand. I mean, just the demand is low in Beverly Hills. Everybody's rich, you know. Yeah, yeah. But out here, everybody's trying to. 
People, the only it. time rich people buy lottery tickets or, or, or scratchies is like for uh, for the holiday season when they put them in the stocking stuffers, I feel. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, they're gifts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe you could be like me one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. Win. Yeah, yeah. But the skinny on the California lottery. I'll give you this. This okay. is what I learned of the California lottery, right? Um, yeah, if it gets to a billion dollars, yeah, put a dollar in, put a few dollars, put 10 bucks in. Yeah, you know, do what you can do what you can afford. But if you want to actually win some money, do, don't ever play the Mega Millions. Don't ever play the Super Lotto. Don't ever play that. You got to play in California. You got to play the Fantasy Five. The Fantasy Five. Fantasy Five. It's a lot lower payout, but a lot higher percentage of winnings. You could win like 50 grand, 70 grand on it. But, you know, it's it's like the lotto. It's Instead of buying Super Lotto, buying Mega in California, you just buy, hey, give me the Fantasy Five. Also, if and you say picking, you just pick five numbers, just pick five numbers. But also, if you pick your own numbers, you have a higher chance of losing. I've heard that. Yes. That's so the other thing. You so need to do. You just do the quick picks. play. Do the, the quick, quick picks. picks. Yeah. Do so the that, quick pick. Do the fantasy five. Yeah. And you'll have a way better chance of actually winning some money back. Like that three dollars. Yeah. You know, no, it was, it was, it was all from quick picks. Right. Because what I do is yeah. I'll buy I'll buy 10 quick picks yep. or whatever it is. And then I'll do one where I'm actually putting the numbers, and yep. it's just it's just strictly uh, family members' birthdays. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Just because you got to play, I feel like you got to play it. Right. You know, yeah, you got to play. Of course, those. of course. Yeah. If you played it and it came, if you didn't play it and it came up, you'd kill yourself. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. But yeah. the funny thing is, like, whenever I play it, I maybe get one number. Not that that's bad, because I only get one number anyway. <laughs> I do quick picks, but like the numbers, yeah. I'm always like, my birthdays are always like, obviously, can only go up to thirty one. Yeah. Right in yeah, terms yeah. of that, and then there's yeah, you're like, limiting yourself, and then you're like all of a sudden there's like fuck, there's 55, there's 60, yeah. there's like 48. Like how am I supposed to? And then That's of course, do it. and then of course, all those numbers, the, the you get like nine, 45, 50, 52, 54, 60, and then yeah. like Powerball is like 30. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Also on the scratchers, yeah, you're uh buy the high buy the high dollar scratchers. If you're gonna buy scratchers, don't buy those dollar, two dollar, three dollar crossword. Get the ten dollar, get the twenty dollar. Because here's the thing: like it's one thing is twenty dollars, or like twenty dollars worth, dude. It's like it looks like a big piece of paper. Oh, it's like a huge shit, cardboard okay. piece of paper, and it like they go up to twenty bucks, I think, in California. And they might even have a fifty dollar one now. But it's a big scratch. It's actually pretty fun. It's like a huge scratch off. But you have the potential. Like uh, I don't know the odds off the top of my head, but if you put twenty in, you could get five hundred pretty easily. If you put twenty in, you could lose it. But still, like if you if you buy, say if you buy twenty dollar one twenty one dollar scratchers, right, you'll win way less money than if you buy one twenty dollar. Interesting. Like you may not win on the twenty, you may lose your twenty, but you have a way better upside. Now I've never won a scratcher. Oh, it's, that's not true. I have won scratchers. I've never turned it in. Do you go back to the location where you bought you them, any or you can go to any location, and they pay any you out right? What it's if it's all California state lottery? But what so if you win like something machine. that's like you know, like you win twenty thousand or thirty thousand? Do you still go like what? How does that work? You go back to the store and they oh, pay any, you out, anything or over six hundred bucks? You have to you have to report it to the government, sign forms. Like, okay, but a, a you lady still go, got really mad. At but me. do you still go to the store and and or like you could, yeah, you go like like if, if you were working at the store right, and I yeah. come like hey, I won fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, yeah, you take the ticket. You'd right. give them a form. You'd have them send it, you know, and then also like the retailer gets a gets a cut of it, right? And also, so you don't get like pay, the, you won't get paid that money from the store that day. Oh hell no! Only only no, if it's like need, five, they, ten, twenty dollars you get over, paid. Anything over six hundred dollars, you have to sign gotcha. tax forms. And gotcha. then if you owe the government money, you're not getting that money. 
Right, right, right. So if you if you won 100 grand, you owe the government 200, you still owe them 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll yeah, take yeah. it all. They'll still yeah. take it all. Yep. Yeah. And they probably won't even they probably take the tax portion of it. So you still probably owe $125,000 cuz they'll probably only take 75,000 of it. Yeah, well, yeah, like That's I had crap. Uh, a lady at the fair who was a worker, one of my regulars, bought uh I think it was a $10 scratcher, the the Ten dollar diamonds, I think it was, uh, the lucky diamonds or whatever. And she won a thousand dollars. Yeah, and she wanted a thousand dollars right from my cashier, like my 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 till. And I was like, I'm sorry, you have to sign this form. She got she got livid with me, and I was like trying to like sweet talk her, like, Hey, you gonna buy me dinner with this? You know, you know, when you get the money, like, if you give it to me now, I will work. Yeah, we both work at the fair, you know, like that kind of shit. And she was like, No, what the money fuck out of you, asshole. She's like, How many funnel cakes are you gonna buy with this? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> or corn dogs. Yeah. But uh, Lotto's fun. Lotto's fun. Yeah. What would fun you do? Man, dude, if you won the billion dollars, man, what would you do? Like, what? Like, <sighs> would you quit your job? Would you still work? I'd Elon Musk it, dude. I'd invest, in, I'd invest and make more companies. I'm just entrepreneurial that way. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I'd have a podcasting conglomerate, uh, uh, you know. You wouldn't spend any money first on, like, you know, spoiling your family, oh, your dad, yeah, you know, of Tory, any, you know? But I, I'm way much... Uh, <laughs> I can't equate myself to Elon. I'm a complete idiot. But <laughs> Don't sell yourself short. But, Elon's no, not that bright either, like, okay? He named his kid the symbols. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's 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 call a spade uh, a spade here. That's that's true. Right. But, there's different but, there's different there's different what, there's different variants of brilliance. But Zach, here here's what Elon Musk did, right? Made Zip2 or whatever it was, turned into PayPal, right? Got thirty million dollars, was it? Right. Thirty million dollars. Like or that. was it three bill? Uh, I don't you I think, know. I think it was like uh, in the low bills, yeah. right? So he became a three billionaire, right? Something around that, around there. He didn't spend it. Like he bought a nice house, bought a, you know, you're rich. You have a billion dollars. You can buy whatever you want, really. But he took most of that money and made SpaceX and Tesla from it. Yeah. So he could have just been some rich guy who was just sitting on his money. But he's like, I can't. I need to go to space. So he's like, okay, let me put a uh, hundred million over here in Tesla. Let me put uh, a couple billion over here in uh, SpaceX, and then now he actually eclipsed uh, uh, Warren Buffett just in stock value, just with Tesla. Damn. Like he's already the richest guy on earth just because he invest reinvested the money he made from PayPal. Wow, he invested, and also he's just a f- he's just, so he's, he's smart with money. So what are you saying? He's smart with money. Names, not so He's much. He's one of the smartest men on this. Of earth. course, yeah. of course. I'm not gonna knock him. I'm just, I'm just Elon. If you're listening, which you're not, I, you're a great guy, uh, or you're smart. He'll guy. be listening on the way to Mars. Yeah, you know. sure. Yeah, take me with you. Yeah, please. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I think I've, you know, you think about it. It's like, what would I spend? And it's like, I think immediately I would just buy all my family new cars and houses, like yeah. appreciating uh, assets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I definitely would invest. I definitely would donate a lot. And here's the thing is, I, oh, yeah. I, you know, I would do what, like, you know, I, I you know, what kind of like what Keanu Reeves does. Keanu Reeves donates a lot of his money, but he does it, you know, not publicly. He just donates. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's it's admirable because I think a lot of people who donate, a lot of people donate because they want the, the glorification of it all. You know, some people want for tax breaks. Donated by anonymous. You know, uh, and I think, and, and that's what I would do. I do that. You know, I yeah. definitely. Part of me, you know, part of me thinks I would buy some old companies I work for and fire some people I didn't like. <laughs> you know, like it's those those type of pipe dreams right. that you have. Yeah. Um. But honestly, I don't know, man. I mean, travel the world. Would I still work? Would I need? I mean, I would probably you have start. To. Yeah. You have to. 
You did. You did. You degenerate. You be, yeah, but yeah. I mean, like, do I? St- I probably start my own company of some sort, you know? Yeah, I mean, you have to. I mean, when you get that rich, you yeah. have to have your money, like, more money, more problems. You have to money, <laughs> have your billions go through. But I probably try to find the, like this, uh, the, you know, like just like some easy job three four days a week, so I can just get health benefits. Yeah, you know, something that's like low maintenance, not too hard, and then like you know the other that when I'm what I do with my money is like I really like you know start you know a production company, invest in films, invest in you know you know, directors and, and producers and just, you know, make quality content. Yeah. Yeah, look at you, Elon, over there. I know, I just I know. Invest, reinvesting in yourself. Now, I all that. I just need to do is win the lotto because... <laughs> or someone just give me, but, like, a couple million to invest or could something. You, could you imagine being Kimball Musk? <laughs> like, like, like his brother, like... I don't know if, like, they're all as smart as Elon, but could you imagine being a sibling of Elon Musk, man? I mean... the worst thing in the world. I think, I think... And the best thing in the world. I think it's a... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I think it's a combination of both. I think it's the same thing as, like, you know, like, you know, Michael Michael Jordan's siblings, you know? (laughs) Or, like, LeBron's children. Yeah. You know, like they're they're some of the you know Thanks, uh, Bronny yeah. Bronny is a great athlete you know like yeah. his son's a great athlete but is he going to be LeBron <laughs> you know like uh, uh, just choose the fill yeah exactly yeah. I think the the prime example in sports is uh, the Manning brothers you know yeah. Eli Manning and Peyton Manning you know there was a third Manning and he was the oldest and he was he was supposed to be better than Peyton and he got injured and then he never had a, a, oh, a never pro- even heard of this yeah, this, yeah. oh uh, there's a great there's a great documentary on on the on um ESPN's SEC network yeah uh the called the book of manning and it's about archie manning his father yeah. who went to either old i think it was old miss Right or Tennessee, you know, became, you know, he's a great. I mean, he was a great uh, high school quarterback, I and mean, we're going on tangents here. But anyway, go check it out. It's it's about the whole family. Anyway, I, uh, yeah, I mean, could you imagine being? I mean, I would be so, <laughs> I would be just so. It's like, just so funny because like I, I I remember like last year sometime, it, Kimball Musk was doing sponsored ads on Facebook and Instagram. You could win this Tesla, you know, with Kimball Musk. I'm I'm all I'm just going like Kimball. What are you doing, man? Like you steal that car from your brother? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you I steal know a bunch of all his life. Yeah, exactly. You're an artist. Oh, like, see, I didn't even know. see. Here's the thing: I didn't even know he had a brother. Dude, he's got like seven. See, you don't know because it's who cares? Who Elon cares? Musk exactly. and whatever else, and That's Grimes what and E equals MC squared. Whatever his, his mom, kid's name his is. mom is a celebrity. You don't even really really. Yeah, his who? mom's his mom's a model. Who's his mom? Uh, May 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 uh, Musk May Musk. Pull it up. Musk. Oh, May with that. Oh. May Musk. She's an old model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she looks, I mean, obviously she was, you know, younger at some point. Yeah, yeah. She's up is there. That, is that Kimball? Kim- that's Kimball? <laughs> <laughs> the folksy-ass Kimball. I Jesus. love Kimball. So basically, the, so basically, so like, uh, what was that? Knives Out was basically a, like yeah, about, about the Musk, Musk family, huh? Yes. That's what you're telling me. That's, that's why I feel like you, you know, like basically, that's Jamie Lee Curtis there on the left. Yeah, you know, that's what's his name? Uh, what's the the older guy oh, in that uh, movie? Yes, uh, great, one of my favorite actors. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, but and then you got Daniel Craig there in the middle. Yeah, you got Daniel Craig. I was gonna say, you know, it's Bizarro Chris Elon. Evans. Yeah, um, wow. I love it. Well, <laughs> interesting uh, family. It very interesting family. 
But uh, let's uh, let's get our next let's get our guest on for this podcast. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna bring on uh, Umar right now. Umar Malik. Let's get him on. All right, man. So I got Umar Malik, my good friend. Uh, he is a filmmaker, producer, director, editor, uh, and just an overall swell guy. I- I'm gonna call you an activist. Is that okay? Can I call you an activist? Call me whatever you want. Really? Okay, baby. I'll call you whatever I want. Uh, I've known Umar for a long time. Yeah, he's a great guy. We've done some projects together. And uh, thanks for joining the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. No problem. Good to see you. So uh, before we get into all the things that you're creating, I really want to talk to you because we do have these conversations at least once or once a week or every other week. The inauguration, bro. President inauguration. Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. How do you feel? Finally stole the election. It happened. <laughs> you, I feel like you're the one that stole the whole election. I feel like you are actually the one. You're the thief. I did, and I stole the Declaration of Independence as well. Oh, so it wasn't Nicolas Cage. It was you. No, it was me. I knew it. I knew it. Oh. I knew it. But um, I was stealing the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> uh, I, uh, you know, we talk about. We talked about. I mean, over the past four years is how disappointing this country has been. Do you, I mean, how, how did you feel Wednesday? Like, how did you wake up feeling anxious, nervous? Like, what was your feeling throughout the day as it went, as it progressed? Uh-oh. Well, we had yes. some technical difficulties, but we're back. So, Ubar, what I wanted to talk to you, uh, what I wanted to ask you is, like, what was your feelings on Wednesday? Like, were you nervous, anxious? What was your feelings like throughout the whole day? I mean, it's definitely a good feeling i wouldn't say i was nervous or anxious um it's it was it was surreal in a way to kind of it almost it didn't feel real that it was finally over the trump administration um but also i mean i i've always felt that it like having joe biden obviously in the white house is a good thing but at the same time i i've never felt that he was the right person for this moment he wasn't your first choice no he wasn't my first choice um and uh, i it's obviously it's great that trump is gone but i i worry that we're kind of headed to something worse than trump and i don't know if joe, joe biden is the one to head us off that track no i i agree with you on that i mean i'm hoping that you know and I agree with you. I think there's going to be worse. There's going to be younger Trumpers who are going to be running for office that we don't know about, you know, right. and, you know, I, I personally, you know, and, and, and I don't know if it's you and I have talked about it. I mean, I don't think Joe makes it past four years, not because for any other reasons than his health, you know, he's older. I, I, think, I think he'll make it. You don't think he, you don't think, you don't think he passes the torch over to Kamala? I mean, Honest, I mean, I hope not. I, I don't think Kamala is the future either. Okay. Um, but I think he'll, I mean, yeah, health permitting, yeah, I think he'll be, he'll probably run again. Right. Uh, I mean, he'll be, what, 82? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 78 right now? Yeah. Um, I think he'll run again. I don't really know. That's kind of, uh, and like, I think he's like talked about also like this idea that he's like kind of here to pass the torch to the younger generation a bit. Um, but I think he's still look. He was vice president when Obama was president. Of course, right? yeah. And what came after Obama was Trump. 
So does Joe understand that, that there was something, I mean, yeah, there was racism and all these things like, that kind of contributed right. to Trump and Obama was black and like all these things kind of coalesced to bring us Trump. Right. But there were other issues there too about, you know, how, I mean, Obama did ignore a lot of the issues that were important to a lot of people who were not, who were middle-class or poor. Uh, he gave a bailout to the, these corporations and kind of left everybody else in 2008 to just kind of fend for themselves. People lost their jobs and their homes and their money. And but that wasn't, but that wasn't Obama's fault originally. I mean, Obama inherited that. I mean, that's what, that's what, I'm talking about the response. Sure, sure. But I mean, and, and right. And because that's that in 2008, that, that, you know, recession, almost depression led to Obama's surgeons and, you know, pretty much won him the election. Right. And no. then, but then how he responded was, you know, kind of just kind of the same playbook as giving the, them bailouts, not really bailing out the middle class or the people who lost their homes or lost their life savings. All, all these people just kind of, they lost their homes and that was it. Right. And, and I, I think some of that had to do with this just idea that Washington doesn't care about you. And let's just try this asshole, this guy who is an asshole, but he's not, you know, some Washington insider. Right. And that led to, so it's just, uh, does Biden understand that? And will he heed the warnings of his own vice presidency and actually go big here, especially right now when the economy is in tatters yep. once again? Yep. And will he go big and not just, you know, these piecemeal things that kind of help just the rich and the corporations and businesses, but nobody else, which he's kind of doing, but. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it has to be like a, it's like a, it, it, an interesting, healthy balance that he has to figure out because obviously you need to bail out some corporations, but you don't got, you got to bail out the American people first. And I think, yeah. I think he's learned. I mean, listen, he's what forty years into this, right? Whatever, thirty six something years into this. I think that he's learned that he needs to be more understanding of of the middle class and the lower class, and and I think that we've hit this turning point where. Because of social media, because of the accessibility we have to uh, as as an individual, you know, as a citizen, you and I have, you know, a, a little bit more. Um, I, I won't say like a, a power, so to speak, because of social media, because of things like the phone that we can, right. you know, get in masses and tweet and 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 voice our opinions or are are you know discontent, whatever you want to say it. And I think that he's able to hear that more because he has younger people on his cabinet because he has, you know, people, the, the, you know, like the AOCs and people in his ear all the time because they, they have the finger on the pulse of the youth. So I think, you know, hopefully he listens to that. Hopefully, you know, he's got two years. I mean, even though the, you know, the, the Republican senators can filibuster a lot of stuff, they yeah. have, you know, the Democrats, uh, you know, need to really push forward and really bully the things that they want to make, you know, right. changes they willing, need. Willing to do that. That's my thing, right? Is he like, even like he's said before that he's not, he's opposed to uh, getting rid of the filibuster and like do, doing, doing the thing and even like opposed to Medicare for all and these things that, and like, I get that the Medicare for all thing, but it's more about, is he willing to take these risky, but bold uh, actions in order to actually get things done? Right. Or are we just going to like, he's going to pass one bill and then, you know, like, I think it's gonna be 50%. Yeah. I think it's gonna be 50% of what he's going to do. You know, I think that's just the bottom line. I think he's, he, that's, you know, he can't, he can't, he can't appease everybody and no one can, no one will yeah. ever, ever will be able to, no matter who's in the office.
Yeah. And like the other like part of it is also just, I think over the last four years, there has been a lot of people who became engaged and started paying attention. And now that Trump is gone, do those people just disengage and kind of, we don't, because I think a lot of these, these movements that happened over the last couple of years would not have happened if Clinton was president, like Black Lives Matter and Me Too and all this stuff. I don't believe that there would have been as much engagement towards these things unless, I mean, if Clinton was there. No, I, and I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. They wouldn't be, uh, they might have, they might have formed, but who knows about the traction they would have gained if it wasn't, if, if Hillary was in office. Right. You know? Exactly. And I completely agree with that. And, you know, ho- you know, I'm nervous just like you are having said that, what, what is this engaged the right? I'm not going to say Republicans. I'm going to say the right, because, mm-hmm. you know, in my opinion, I think after this year, after this election, we're going to start to see a predominant third party. And I don't know what that third party is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be like the party of Trump and the Republicans bail and become more Democrats and more Democrats that are left become more a socialist, like the third party, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like every like election cycle, we always talk about this like third party that's going to emerge and it just never does. Um, I think it just takes... It takes a lot to build out a new party. A hundred percent. But I, I think know. I think I think that you have enough um, people who are upset in all aspects, Republican Democrats, that I think you're, you know you're going to see people pulling away from each of those parties. You know, and I, you know there's going to be youth movement. I mean, there's always been a youth movement. If this hasn't been as, as big, but I think you know you're going to see that now that because of you know the most turnouts vote turn voter turnout in, in in u.s history you're going to start seeing that more with youth and i feel like there's going to be a third the democratic party is going to split you know there's going to be a faction that leaves it's more left you know the republicans that are republicans or who are moderate are going to swing over to the democrats and then the that those r- ultra right republicans those conservatives are going to become this like part this patriot party if you will yeah, per, I mean, I think there's more danger of the Republicans and the right kind of, of course, uh, splitting and becoming their own things. Yeah, than there is of the left and the liberals and Democrats like forming two separate parties. Because um, right now it's still the Democrats are still pretty united. Uh, even like they have issues with like the left has a lot of issues with Biden, but they are it's not the hostility that you see on the right against. No, Right. There is just Trump's party. And then but that's the other thing. I feel like a lot of the mainstream Republicans right now are still Trumpers. Right. So I don't know if they will split off. And like that's why I just I just don't feel like there is a split coming anytime soon. Just because I feel like the right has still kind of bought into that Trumpism. The Republicans are still kind of in there. And there's a few handful like, you know, like Mitt Romney and uh, like Collins or whoever that kind of are still more in the middle, but for the most part, like the Republicans bought into Trump. No, and 100%. I did, and I don't see them, because it, it's also about their base. The base has bought into Trump. So I don't see them, they're going to try to like distance themselves to a bit, but I don't see them completely just fracturing the party and making something new. Right. But I mean, what's interesting is that, I mean, and these could just be, you know, fake reports, smoke and, smoke and mirrors is that, like, you know, you see these reports of like, McConnell and other Republicans secretly wanting to do away with what happened with Trump and vote him out or whatever it may be, 
you know, or accuse him of, you know, or, or, or bring him to trial. You know, I yeah. find that interesting, even if it, even if it's slightly true, you know, because yeah. I mean, I remember this time four years ago when Trump got sworn in, you know, the shit eating grin that McConnell had on his face, yeah. knowing that he was going to have carte blanche to do whatever the hell he wanted. Right. Yeah. And I think like it's I, I think most Republicans want to break from Trump. But it's not really about what they want. It's what their base wants. And they know if they break from Trump, they could get primaried. And McConnell's not really in that ball because he's going to win. The he's, and he's like, and, also he's, not, old. and he's not going to run for presidency. Yeah. And he's also who knows if he runs for election. He's going to be like 86 when he runs next, you know, so who knows if he's even going to run for election again. God, I hope so not. I think like they're still adherent to the base, the Republicans and the base is still pretty much with Trump. As yeah. far as I know, I haven't seen anything. I mean, even like with the insurrection and stuff, like there's still like a lot of support for Trump even after that. Yeah. So I don't really know where the base is at right now. So Republicans' actions are going to be dictated by the base. Yeah. And that's going to kind of, that's why I don't think there's going to be as much fracturing because I think the base is still pretty united with Trump. Yeah. Um, And like the Democrats, I think, are pretty united against with Biden right now. I don't see like a lot of like fracturing in there, even though there are certain things. I still see, and I, I do see Biden is a figure that does reach out. He will reach out a lot more than of course. Obama or Hillary would have done to the left. Uh, and I think he's, I think people just like him better too. So, yeah, I mean, he's more affable. He's more likable for sure. There's no, there's no doubt in that. And, uh, you know, he's got, he's got more likable people around him. I mean, he, you know, his, his, I mean, his running mate, obviously Kamala, you know, his wife, um, yeah. you know, and just the cabinet members that he selected are just a lot more likable, a lot more, you know, yeah. it's just, you know, I feel approachable, you know, even, even the, yeah. pre- even the press secretary that they got, you know, it's just, it's nice to, to finally have someone take field questions. You know, I mean, you saw yeah. Dr. Fauci today. He looked like he was so, or yesterday he was so happy to like, just be right, able yeah. to, to express, you know, what he's been trying to express for oh, exactly a year now. Right. Yeah. And I think it's like, I mean, at least we have a government. And with Trump, like you weren't sure who, like what was going on in our government, right? At least like, you know, right now that we have a government and things will be taken care of to an extent. Yeah. Just right now, like will Biden do the things necessary to push us forward? Yep. And not keep us either still or, you know, bring us back. Cause like the danger here is that Trump is gone. Who's the next Trump? And will he be smarter and more dangerous? So yep. that's what we have to fend off. And yep. if we kind of do the same stuff we've been doing for the last 50 years, we're just going to invite the next, an actual fascist to come take over who's going to actually know how to do it. Listen, just- I mean, we're, we're 10 years away. In 10 years from now, we will know what, what if, we did, if we repeated history or if we've abolished it. You know what I mean? Are we heading yeah. towards Nazi Germany, you know? Or are we, heading, are we going to learn from what happened in the past and make sure this doesn't happen again? And, are you know... You- I, I, that's what I'm nervous about is like, I'm nervous now. You know, we saw these events that happened on January 6th. We heard about all the FBI investigations and all the things that they found out leading up to the inauguration and all these things that they've, you know, all these attacks on the 50 capitals that they've thwarted and all that stuff. My concern is like, you know, we're going to have to worry, I think now about domestic, I mean, domestic terrorism has always been an issue, but now I think it's going to be a real big issue because you're going to have these super, alt-right extremists you know yeah. and my worry with that is i mean obviously i think it's a, definitely a threat 
Uh, but I, my worry is that we take this new domestic terrorism threat and then turn it into our like 9-11, right? Yep. Turn the insurgents into our 9-11. Patriot and, Act, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, Patriot, like all, we start doing all these things that infringe on our rights and our constitutional privileges uh, and we overreact to a problem and make it worse, right? Right, right. And my, my, I do fear that we may go that direction just because, especially with like, uh, it was a, I mean, the insurrection was a huge event, right? And it's one of those events that does kind of make people, that scares people. And what happens with that fear? Like, how do we respond to that fear of yep. domestic terrorism and white supremacy? Do we use it to kind of, uh, like, basically what we did after 9-11, just kind of destroy ourselves a bit, right? And, like, look, 9-11, everything that happened after 9-11, you know, kind of, the basically a terrorist kind of won, in a way. 100%. I mean, it, it, it literally, it took the freedoms that we took for granted away from us. You know, yeah. I, was, I, was saying to, I was saying early, you know, we're talking with someone earlier today that I remember, you know, I was in D.C., I was in school, you know, uh, the year before 9-11 happened. And I remember that summer right before 9-11, I was in D.C. celebrating the 4th of July. And what a lot of people love to do is that you go to that mall, go to the National Mall, and you could, right. you know, and they had a huge firework display. And people would bring coolers of beer, you know, and yeah. you would just sit there. And it was so free. It was freedom. It was liberating. Right. Literally, the following summer, you you couldn't bring you couldn't bring a, a beer in a koozie, an individual beer in a koozie, to no. anywhere within fifty, you know, ten miles of the uh, of the of the mall. You right. know, every there was there was there was uh, checkpoints every so so often. You know, and and that's what you're gonna you know you're gonna see. I feel like you're gonna see that security height, heighten back up. Yeah, yeah. I think you could, you could even probably track the rise of Donald Trump back all the way to 9-11, right? And the events that happened sure. that we did, you know, the wars, the how we, our rights, how we infringed on our rights, the economy, it all kind of just piled on top of each other. Mm -hmm. And I think eventually, yeah, led to the rise of Donald Trump. And now we have basically, I mean, to a, I think a lot to a lot of liberals could be another 9-11 type event. And now how will liberals react? Now they have power during that event and the ability to react to it right it's you know it, knock on wood hopefully nothing like that happens you know yeah. but it, what will be the response if it does like you know what's the action going to take i mean i think you know people are i mean i don't know how you feel i mean i feel okay with this you know um i feel 50 50 on this uh i had no problem with them banning trump from social media twitter or whatever it may be yeah, you know, I mean, I've, I have no problem with banning Trump. What I have, just in general, the monopolies that these social media companies have, and we can, it's, it, it is a slippery slope. I think banning Trump was the right thing, but these eventually, like, somebody's going to get banned that is on our side, right? Right, but, and, and, not, and, and, and to, you know, but I don't mean to interrupt you, but also, what about all the other terrorist organizations outside of the United States that have Twitter right. accounts? The, or yeah. dictators that you know, like what about them? Shouldn't they be banned as well? You know, yeah. like that's 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 yeah, and that's the, I think this just, it just goes back to the power that social media has right now. Uh, and all like they basically control the discourse in the world, really. 
They and, control everything. I mean, they control what right. we view. They control. I mean, what we're dancing to, what songs. I mean, it's right. it's. I, I I wouldn't be opposed. I mean, listen, we work in this industry. You know, our our you know what we make, the films, the videos we make, go up on all these platforms. But if right. it, if it was to be decided that big tech is gone and they're blowing it up tomorrow, I would. I'll find a way. Yeah. There's still right. movies. There's still ways to make content. Yeah, definitely. But right now. It's all Instagram or TikTok or Twitter or whatever, yep. right? And they control how we consume news, how we even receive news, everything, right? Yeah. And that power is, I think, too big for a corporation to have. Um, they're not elected leaders. They're not, you know, they don't, they answer to nobody except themselves. Because right, it's a private enterprise. You know? so. Right. So how do you, like, what is the solution to that? Um I think a lot of like there's a lot of people who are, are out there who have a lot of like First Amendment like claims for like oh we shouldn't ban Trump and this and that. I think I I think we should have banned Trump and it was the right step. But it's just about going forward. How do we address this real problem of you know radicalization, of extremism, of fake news, of you know all these yeah. different things that are melting the brains of the people in this country and around the world. Well, I think like, it's. We- I think it's. I think it's got to start also. You know, uh, with education. I think you know, the only way we're gonna. The, the only way. I mean, there's two. There's. I feel like there's two fronts of tax we need to take. It. We need to do, look at it. It's one is what we're talking about right now in terms of like, you know, these big tech companies. How do we handle it? How do we handle social media? But then it's also, right. uh, how are we gonna raise, you know, educate the kids, the youth growing up to view these platforms, to view news, to view media and what yeah. is fake and what is real. And I think that's, we're, we're not, we're not even close to that yet. And that's, and that's, that's, that's an issue. And I think, you know, what, what we've learned over the past four years, regardless of social media is that the education system is fucking broken. I mean, yeah. there's too many, un, you know, and listen, you're going to have uneducated people across the world. It doesn't matter what country or where you're from, but right. America seems to have this, uh, high number of educated who think they're educated people that, you know, it's, it's American exceptionalism, you know, that we've right. done nothing wrong. We are America. We are perfect in every way. I mean, I think it goes beyond education. I don't think like all these people who subscribe to these conspiracy theories or fake news or get caught lost in this like QAnon bullshit, whatever. I don't, I do not think it's all about just like they're stupid and uneducated. Right. I think it goes beyond that. And I think it's more, about people lack a purpose right now, right? In general, I think there is an epidemic of just unhappiness and people who feel left behind and like they don't matter. And they find these groups, like it's like a gang, right? Yeah, of course. Find a group of people that value you, that you can build a community with, that you can build a life with, that you can, because like a lot of these like QAnon people, right? They legitimately think they're like saving children, like from these pedophiles in Washington, right? It's like giving them a purpose. It's giving them a reason to live, right? Yeah, I know. So I think that it is a deeper problem of people's own um, feelings of unworthiness and that the system is rigged against them and that nobody cares about them. And that manifests in a way that is uh, destructive and damaging to the entire country. So it's about, I think, solving that issue. Not necessarily education. It's crazy like, that, that these four people have figured it out over eight years when minorities have been dealing with that for centuries. You know what I mean? Like that's right. But I think that they also feel 
I think we all, obviously like minorities have deal with a lot, like black people have dealt with a lot, but the feeling of not mattering, I think, and feeling left behind or unwanted or unloved is universal. Of and course, yes. A lot of people feel these different emotions and feel like, the, yeah, they don't matter in this world. Well, people, this can, people prey on that. People prey on those type of people. You know what I mean? That's right. how they, yeah. you know, and that's what I think Trump did great at is that, you know, people call him stupid. He was brilliant. I mean, yeah. the way he marketed and PR'd all this stuff. I mean, he literally preyed on those people to, to, to boost him up. Right. So I think it's about like, how do we, how do we see everybody? Yeah. Right. And it's not just about, cause I even like the black lives matter movement. I think we do uh, contextualize it in a way that does make it feel like, Oh, we're going to leave everybody else behind. And this is about black people. And it is about black people, but it's also, I think about how all of us can live a better life. And I think we do contextualize it in a way that, oh, this is about make, giving black people rights and giving black people uh, opportunity and not this is about giving everybody opportunity, right? right. It's when, equality, about equality. Right. And the things that the power, the, the, this white privilege, right? I think when we say white privilege, right, white, a lot of white people hear that and be like, I don't have privilege. I'm poor. I live in a shack. Right. I can't pay my bills. And like you're over here saying I have white privilege and I'm dirt poor and I'm on my way to die. Right. So I think it's about recontextualizing what we mean by white privilege. White privilege, I do not see as a privilege. I do not see the power that white people have as power. I see the same things that are destroying the uh, black community and uh, people of color and immigrants and all these people is the same thing that's destroying white people. Right. Yeah. And until we, I think we need a message that is more unifying about the idea of improving the lives of all of us, not just this is about we're trying to improve these people's lives. Because when we improve these people's lives, we improve everybody's lives. A hundred percent. So we need to, I think, recontextualize what it, what we're really talking about when we're talking about white privilege, because this privilege that we claim that they have is not really privilege. It's also destroying them. Sure. I, I, I have no, I have no beef with that. I, I agree. I, and it's, it's, it's interesting because I think, I think we've uh, as a society have really um, done a poor job and this sounds weird marketing our, our issues, you know, uh, defund the police. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, let's take it. Let's take it like that. That was right. such a jarring word for people that don't. It's not def, you're not defunding. It's like it, you know, right. it just doesn't sound good. As real re, reallocating money from you know the police. It just yeah, doesn't. Right. It, I, I remember the first time I heard that I was in like Pan Pacific Park at the uh, Black Lives Matter rally, yeah. and I they started chanting like defund the police. They're like I was chanting before like about other stuff, and then the guy was like defund the police, and I was like, D wait, what? <laughs> what would you say? And then, yeah. like, because it's just it's a very, like, wait, are we getting rid of cops? Like, what's, what's happening here? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, then it took me, like, time to actually, like, oh, I got to look at what does it actually mean? And then I was like, oh, okay, I get what they mean. No, but absolutely. at that point, like, if, you're, if you have to go and explain what your slogan is, you've already failed. Right, so, and, I, and I feel like that's what a lot of people did. And I think, it, you know, defunding the police, it really, it, it, it charged a lot of people to 
disrespect people on both lines, uh, uh, you know, uh, police authorities and, and people who aren't the police. And I think, you know, um, one of my friends who's a police officer in New Jersey, when this was going on, I mean, he was, you know, he was spit on. He was like, you know, people said, fuck you. Right. And, you know, and he's not, you know, it's, it's, he's not, <laughs> you know, he's not bad. He's not a bad guy. Right. It's just, it's, uh, but at the same time, what was happening, no one was understanding. And what, what is happening, that was happening. What is yeah. happening, no one's understanding. And you see it all. The, I mean, look, look at the most recent, uh, you know, the, the woman that, the, the, the person that stole the laptop. Uh, Pelosi's laptop was trying to sell to Russian secrets. She got like no time and someone right. that, you know, it's, it's. Yeah. And I think it's a system that's of course. honestly meant to benefit nobody. Right. And we, we make, except for I the rich, except for the, except for the elites. Yes. Right. Um, and I think we even like we, when we say, when we, when we talk about it in a way that makes it, feel like oh these white people have it so good and we don't i think it we're doing a disservice to where we want to be because i honestly for at least maybe this is just me i do not want what white people have right that what their lives are what they see as power and privilege and that i do not want that right i you think don't it want, is you don't want a cookie cutter home somewhere i'm just kidding no i think it's destructive i think it is i think it it keeps us in a system that doesn't help anybody, right? It keeps and, everyone in the same place. It just keeps everyone in the same place, right? And kind of blind to their own, yep. uh, to their own dreams, to their own purpose, to their own fulfillment. And it's about, I think, not about becoming a part of this privilege that white people have, right? Because we'll just we'll just become that, right? We'll become destructive. We'll become obsessed with power. We'll become obsessed with money and greed and all these things. Right, all these things that we see as white privilege, right? The op these opportunities, this power, this be cops beating up black people, we say it's called white privilege, yep. but it's not, right? It's I, it's not something I want, right? It's about taking white privilege, destroying it, right, and creating something new right. that includes all of us, including white people and black people and brown people and whoever else, right? Not about us. Like I don't want to see it at their table. Right, I want them to destroy their table, and we build a new one. It's basically like you want to see New York just, you know, like I feel like New York is a, a prime example of that, where everyone's doing their own thing, whatever their success is, whatever their wealth is, whatever their, whatever they want to be, they can be that. Now, obviously, there's uh, a, a you're, I'm putting that in a box, you know, yeah. because there's still obviously economic and socioeconomic things that happen in New York that right. aren't as fair, but. Overall, like the melting pot, you want to feel like it's a melting pot. You know what I mean? Even, even beyond that, like, yeah, definitely. It needs to right. feel like a melting pot. But what are we living for, right? We're living for like money or working from nine to five, slaving away, being corporate yes. slaves. And like, what are we, what are we living for? Right. Right. right? It's about changing that dynamic yeah. where we're not living for money and greed and power and all these things. We're living for something that is more uh, purposeful. Yeah. And leads to fulfillment. Yeah. Right. Because we're not white people don't have that. Right. We can't pretend that like white people have these amazing lives that we just like this. They're at, they're at the promised land that we want to get to. They're not. They're just as fucked up as anybody else. They just don't fucking realize it. Yeah. I agree. Their lives suck. I agree. And I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of something new that brings us all together. And we build something new that values more than money and greed and all this 
materialistic bullshit. I agree. And I want to shift gears here for a moment because I enjoyed that conversation, but I want to get about more about you, you know, and we're, uh, we're not like, we're not like strict for time here, but you know, I don't want to keep you up all night. Um, you know, what's my bedtime nine. I mean, listen, I know, I know, I know you have strict bedtimes. I know you gotta get your beauty sleep. You gotta get at least 12 hours. I understand you're a beautiful man. Mm. Um, I want to talk about, you know, like, you know, what you're working on, what you're working on right now. I really want to talk before we get into what you're working on right now. I want to talk about, uh, your, your, your short film Prowler. Yeah. Um, you know, you showed it to me. You're like, tell me what you think. Tell me what you think of the story. You know, what do you think this story is? Right. Tell everybody what Prowler is and what you, what, why you made it and what you went for. Um, well, I made Prowler like around the time when all the Black Lives Matter movements like started. And it was kind of, I had that idea for a while. Um, and it's basically, it's basically about a guy, a uh, young black kid who just walks home. Right. And I want to kind of wanted to delve into that experience of what that's like, just as simple. It's not, doesn't have like a story. It's just this black kid walks from his friend's house to his house. And I just kind of wanted to create just like a nat- natural kind of, uh, what do you call that? Like fly on the wall, fly on the wall type thing where we're just watching this kid walk home. Um, and what does that look like for a black person, right? Because I think we, it's, it's something innocent and something that is, for a lot of people, we just kind of take, for advantage yeah and take for granted and we don't and i think it's about seeing it in the lens of somebody else and how they may see a an innocent and innocuous you know action just walking home and how it can have a different uh perspective yeah so it was thought it was thought provoking you know like because when you asked me to when you asked me to you know what i thought what i thought the story was or what i you know what was going on you know, right. I was like, oh, here he is up with his old tricks. You know what I mean? Like, what am I going to go here? And honestly, like the way you shot it, the way I saw it through my lens, and this isn't, you know, this is a biased lens, obviously, that I had to, I have to reprogram is that I thought he was stalking someone else or he was doing right. some shady things, you know? Right. And the, that wasn't it, you know, and everyone can go see it. And I think it's great. You'll figure it out what it is, but it's, it's basically, I mean, I, I mean, it's not, not, that's a spoiler, but it's. About I mean, a guy who you want me? Do you want me to say it or no? I mean, he's actually dead at the end. He's, he's dead people. <laughs> no, but it was it was just it was it, the way you told it. After you after you told me what it was actually for, you know, I rewatched it and I was like, this makes a lot more sense. And it's not that not that you didn't tell the good story. It's just the way you wanted people to perceive it and think about how they think about this going forward. Right. And I, 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 yeah, the reason I called it Prowler was. Uh, because I wanted them to, I did purposely try to, in a way, make it seem like he was up to no good by, but only by, by channeling our own biases and our racism that we hold internally. Right. Because to a lot of people, he is like a prowler and he he is up to no good. And a lot of people will watch the film and be like, Oh, what did he just do? Or where is he coming from? What is he up to? Right. Yeah. You did, um, because you're a racist. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a racist, bro. Everyone's, Everyone's racist. racist. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Uh, but it was just like this kid. We in the film, you don't see him do anything wrong, right? No, absolutely not. And it's about if you do perceive it in a way that you feel like he is threatening or 
he is up to no good. It's about why do you feel that way since you haven't seen him do anything wrong? Exactly. He is just walking home, right? And I don't like, I mean, it is very, that part of it is very hidden. Like you don't watch it and be like, oh, this is a exploration of uh, your own biases. It's just kind of, I just throw it in there, mm-hmm. right? And just kind of like, that's why like, I, I ask people what, the, what they thought the movie was or yeah. what they thought it was. So I just want to kind of gauge like where their head is at and do they think he's up to no good or do they think he's an innocent kid that's just walking home. Exactly. And, it's, and like I said, it's thought provoking because it's, there's no dialogue. There's no dialogue leading into it. There's no really dialogue throughout the whole thing. It's just these really cinematic shots and, and, and this music that's underneath him. And he's just, he's just walking from point A to home. Right. You know, uh, the only thing you hear is a phone call, you know, a, a voicemail that he gets from uh, his mom. Right. Mm-hmm. No. no. Who's, you, was, you get text. Text. Sorry. Text. Text. Whatever. Yeah, there is no like I mean I think it's like one piece of dialogue where he says like excuse me or whatever. Right, right, but, right, right. Um yeah, it was a and it kind of it it kind of naturally became that. I just kinda when I because it wasn't originally called Prowler, but as I like was editing it, I kind of saw how I can kind of just almost test the audience. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of make them just push them towards like this idea that, Oh, maybe he's up to no good without actually pushing them there. Right. right, right. By calling it Prowler, it, it automatically gives them this like sinister uh, image in their head. Yeah. But, and then I show this very innocent, just walk home. So it's just about PM people who people that people would see this guy as a Prowler, as somebody who's up to no good for no reason. So it was just about kind of playing with that idea and, testing people's biases and reactions to it. I love it. I love it. And you submitted to a bunch of festivals that got in a couple already? I got into one. I haven't really heard back from other ones. You will. You will. We'll see. But what else are you working on before I let you go? What else you got going on? Um, yeah, I mean, I, well, the whole, when, when I released Prowler, I kind of started my own, like, company Yep. Uh, called Flare, and I kind of uh, put that under the umbrella of Flare. Um, so right now I've been, uh, and for like for the first couple of months, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. Uh, and recently I've been just kind of showcasing other people's films, short films. So I've been trying to find just impactful work that other people have done Nice. and just reaching, reaching out to them and being like, Hey, can I put you on my platform? I love it. So that's great. So right now it's, it's almost like a, like Netflix for just like, uh, films that, have to deal with important issues. Um, so, but I'm working on like what I want want it to be eventually, like where I want to take it. Uh, Cause I do want to like start building my own content uh, that kind of uh, builds on the idea of yeah. just like making impactful work and making a difference. So. Well, the, web, really the platform is great. The website's great. It's really nicely done. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and yeah, so I'm just kind of, taking it day by day and just kind of seeing where it goes and trying to come up with new ideas for what kind of content I can create that uh, I can put up on the site and building uh, followers on Instagram and blah, blah, blah. Oh, uh, he's got to build the followers of social media, but we have to do away with social media, but we have to do it. We have to, we need the followers. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's the worst. It's the worst. That's the and that's what I'm talking about, right? Like we are so dependent on these these big, big tech companies because they are the outlet for us to reach other people. And like, if we, like if, if Instagram banned me tomorrow, like what would I do? Right. 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 
No, absolutely. I would because other ways, but it would make it a lot harder for me to reach people. Well, it's it's not only that. It's it's you know if you're trying to get uh, you know ma- management or you know representation of any stuff, it's like you know it's what have you made? You know uh, what are you into? And then what is your social following? Exactly you right. Know? And, well, and that's and that's crazy because you you know you could be the you are one of the most talented people I know, and just because you only have a couple hundred or a few thousand, you know, yeah. followers doesn't mean you're not as worthy as someone that's I'm, and i'm going to say this superior less talented who has uh, over a hundred thousand two hundred thousand three hundred thousand followers a million followers yeah. you know who just makes whatever they just got big because you know they're they're dancing a certain way or you know making you know uh, yeah. and that's not to knock them but it's yeah. just it, i feel like it's watering down what is really good content and what is just bleh. right yeah and that's like and that's the other, and the other thing i hate like Instagram and all these, I hate like actually posting stuff. So it's just such a chore. They're like, oh, I have to go on this Instagram and post bullshit to get followers in order to build my business and blah, 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 blah. By the and way, I, uh, go follow Umar Malik, uh, official Umar Malik. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also you can always go to YouTube and watch the show. Um, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just kind of, and I'm like just building, just working on building the business and still writing other, writing a feature right now. Um, yeah, just trying to keep going, moves, taking steps forward as much as I can. Is you find it's um, a little bit, it's a little harder because of COVID. Would you think? Oh you yeah, it's, like, it's hard to sometimes find motivation and of course, um, and like just being in a room or a house is not the most inspiring place all the time. Yeah. So it's hard to sometimes. Sometimes you're just stuck, and yeah. you just gotta. Sometimes I just like go and take a drive for two hours and then come back. Yeah. Or go to a park or go work out somewhere. Or, you know, so I'm working out a lot more. You look good. Uh, I know. Oh, uh, oh. so <laughs> you look at the, <laughs> the confidence, the confidence of the man in front of me here. I love it. All right, yeah, dude. So, well, I appreciate you joining me. I appreciate yeah. I hope you had a good time. We've been doing yeah. this for about almost 40 minutes now. Have we really? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, so thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, we're going to have you on again. Um, you know, and obviously you and I are going to be working on some shit because we got stuff we want to do together anyway. Yeah. So, um, thank you for joining my hand. I'll, uh, cool. I'll, I'll awesome. talk to you after this. Talk to you later. Thanks brother. Peace. Peace.